Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news relating to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call-in line is 646-716-4972. And now, here's your host of Lickin' on Lending, David Lickin'. So good to have you with us, everybody. We're broadcasting live from the NBA Tech Show or Tech Conference here in Chicago at the Hyatt Regency. It is Monday, March 27, 2017. Again, we put that out there for those of you who uh, dial in and uh, listen to this podcast live. We're looking forward to really getting into a lot about what's going on with technology in this podcast. But let's start off by saying what we say each week. This podcast is created by mortgage professionals for mortgage professionals, and we're the proud recipient of the Progress in Lending Innovation Award. So good to have you be a part of it, and we appreciate you telling others about this podcast. Today's hot topic, we got Steve Megson coming in is going to be talking to us about some of the things going on at DNH. Also, we're going to be talking with Mike Frattentoni. He'll be stopping by the booth. Looking forward to having his comments about how technology is going to have an impact on the economy and where this whole thing is going. Are we at a tipping point now? Especially with Rocket Mortgage and the attention to mobile, there's so much attention to mobile here. So we're going to be finding out what that is all about. Looking forward to that. Then also, we want to say a special thank you to our sponsors, ArchMI, the creator of the innovative RateStar program, Motivity Solutions, providing real-time reporting and dashboard scorecards, Velma, an efficient, effective mortgage marketing and email platform, Simplify, just saw Nancy Alley last night and here at the conference running around. She is provided, Simplify provides a real-time electronic communications exchange. Then also the Mortgage Collaborative, the power of the network. And of course, we're in DNH's booth today, and we're so excited to have uh, this opportunity to broadcast from their booth. Again, 140-year-old company, employing 5,500 employees across the nation. Uh, and actually worldwide, and there's some big announcements we're going to talk about that are coming up. And uh, we're just pleased. If you are here at the conference, please stop by the booth and uh, love to see you here. We're just on the other side of the escalators as you enter in and uh, look forward to having you stop by. Let's get into some of the upcoming MBA conferences. The next big one is the National Secondary Marketing Conference. Also, I'll be speaking at the MBA. Oh, the secondary conference is April 30th through May 3rd. Also, we have the um, New York Empire, uh, the state uh, MBA conference in Albany uh, the first week in April. Looking forward to speaking there. And then just um, the secondary marketing conference again, it's coming up at April 30th. So a lot of conferences. Check it out at the MBA conference and education website or go over to Sam Garcia's website. He's got every conference. I don't know how he tracks them all, but they're all there. So um, Looking forward to seeing you at one of these. And when you're at the uh, web, web, website, go over, check out the MBA Mortgage Action Alliance. So we're adding a new segment to the podcast, and it's Les Parker, who is a regular guest on the radio program. Uh, or, uh, at least we have him on once a quarter or giving uh, once or a quarter or so, giving us an update on what is going on. So let's hear what Les Parker of Loan Logics Take is on the markets. Thanks, Dave. This is Market Logics Live, sponsored by Loan Logics. We are stuck in the middle again. That song parody describes the market now. It's going nowhere. 
the 10-year Treasury yield needs to break 265 or 230 to change the direction. Let's destroy a myth. How many times have you heard talking heads say China will destroy the U.S. economy by selling its U.S. bond portfolio? As a practical matter, it cannot happen until the U.S. has a trade surplus with China. Of course, capital is flowing out of China. It is how trade surpluses and deficits get balanced. The U.S. deficit means foreign capital must flow into the U.S. Yes, countries running a trade surplus with the U.S. must buy our assets, like treasuries, mortgage-backed securities, land, factories, etc. These views are my own. Go to LoanLogics.com to subscribe to my daily newsletter. Well, appreciate that. So anyway, I loved your feedback. Les is, uh, produces that newsletter every week and is excellent. So we're excited to get um, his comments each and every week. But we also have stepping up to the booth, Mike Frattentoni. So Joe Farr, we can just push you out just a little bit. We're going to get some comments from uh, Mike. We're getting him, Mike, getting Mike. Mike up. So anyway, Mike, good to have you stop by the conference. This is your conference. It's your event. Thanks for having me, David. So good to have you here. We had a really good opening session with Steve Case. It was really interesting. Um, one of the things that he talked about is how investment capital is 78% of economic investment or capital investment for technology is going to three states. I thought that was really interesting. Your thoughts on that? Yes, I think his point is that if you're outside of California, New York, and, and what was the, uh, Massachusetts, Massachusetts, yeah. your your opportunity as an entrepreneur is really fairly limited, right. and he thinks you're you're wasting some real opportunity that we have as a country to tap into that entrepreneurial spirit that is everywhere. So right. it was a Really interesting point. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Now, a lot of innovation being talked about here. Uh, what is the MBA tracking as it comes to in innovation? And I want to go from there to the economic impact of what this all could mean. Yeah. Well, biggest is probably the digital mortgage, e-mortgage, you know, various permutations yeah. of that. Is it the whole process is digital start to finish or um, – various perm permutations of that where just portions are fully digital. You know, MBA doesn't have a view on this, but we want to make sure there are no obstacles in the way of our members pursuing that if yeah. that's part of their strategy. And there are lots of obstacles, and those are regulatory, those are um, litigation potential, and we want to make sure that we clear those obstacles to the best that we Good. can. Well, you guys have a big influence on that inside the Beltway. But let's talk about the economic impact that this technology and some of the emerging technology could have. Any thoughts? Well, I, I had the chance to talk with Steve Case this morning, and he really latched on to one comment I made was the cost to originate going from 4000 to $8,000 yeah, per loan, right? And that you can't perpetuate that we ought to be able to get a handle on the cost both in the origination and the servicing side and technology is going to be the solution there 
I think, as he also mentioned, some of it's going to come through consolidation, uh, getting to a scale where you can handle these technologies, and or partnering with folks that have a better grasp on the potential for those technologies, and you focus on what your real core competency is. So, you know, I've mentioned this in my forecast and outlook presentations that with volume coming down, with costs being very high, I think we are going to see some reshaping of the industry so that you have lenders out there that really have the capabilities to move forward into this new world. Joe, you're on the line, so is there any questions with, uh, or with the latest economic data that you've been seeing coming in that you would like to ask, Mike? Uh, not really, Dave. I wasn't prepared for that. But, um, <laughs> well, we're messing up with the order here a little bit as a result of this. So what, what is some of the latest economic data that is taking you by by surprise, Mike? You know, it, it really is focused on what's going on in Washington. So yeah. you had the pulling of the health care vote last yeah. week. I think markets are reassessing really – what this administration's capabilities are. I think there was a lot of hope that coming in with a fresh new perspective, they might be able to move faster than right. many of us in Washington have become accustomed to. It's hard. It's hard, even on something like health care, where I think most of the Republicans in Congress agree that this, uh, you know, the situation needs to change, but exactly how you change it, it's challenging. So, right. We're looking at tax reform. We're looking at GSE reform. We're looking at deregulation in the financial sector. I think all of them are going to happen, but probably more slowly than some might have hoped uh, at first. And so we're seeing the stock market fall off a bit. We're seeing rates come down a bit. I don't think far enough to really stoke refi again, but um, might help the purchase market a little bit. Yeah. When you're looking at millennials, is any data that the MBA has as far as the rate at which we can expect them to come into the market? I think the rate increase actually has them pulling out a little bit. Um, if you look over the past couple of weeks in our data, we've hit consecutive record highs in terms of average purchase loan size. Right. So what that's saying to me is that some of those first-time buyers, entry-level buyers, are a little bit scared by the rate increase that they've right. seen and may have to reassess, you know, maybe I can't buy that $250,000 house. I got to look at a $200,000 house. And okay. so, so that pullback, that may define the pullback. Is it a temporary? Because you, we know that rates are still historical lows over, you look over the last 30 years. Uh, you, you would think that this thing is, you know, there should be a reaction and then, a, okay, a resignation. They are what they are, still low. Let's get in. So is that a changing your outlook at all? At this point, we're holding to a still okay. forecast that purchase is going to increase by about 10% this year. But if it stays weak the next couple of months, we're going to have to pull that back. Um, I agree with you. I think eventually people become somewhat resigned to the where rates have gone and they'll reassess and readjust and move in. The job market's really too strong for them to yeah. stay out of this housing market, I think. Yeah, and then household formation, you know, what's that? How's that been trending? It looks like it's been really improving. Yeah, been picking up. Um, a number that I've been focusing on lately, I'll talk tomorrow, is in 2020. We'll hit the peak of the wave in terms of millennials who are in that 26 to 30-year-old cohort. 
you know, many of them still renters, then they move into that 31 to 35 cohort, which is peak first-time buyer territory. So this wave is going to be benefiting the housing market for the next couple of decades. So yeah. uh, even Good. if this year is a little slower than we thought, it's going to be very positive yeah. going forward. You're still very bullish about the economy Longer and the housing. Term. Yeah, long yeah. Term. Mike, thanks so much for taking a few minutes to stop out and talk to us. Happy to be here. Thank you so much. All right, Joe, let's run over to you. So how's that? As a following up on some that of that. That's good. Yeah, it's well, good. I, well, I, I was trying to come up with we, we, For the listeners, we're just bringing people in as they show up and uh, inviting them in. So anyway, it's good to have you. Your comments. So what's happening? Well, uh, along with what Mike said, we're, we're seeing a bit of a reversal of the Trump rally uh, last week and, and this morning, actually. You know, this morning was the first time that traders could have shown what their thoughts were about the uh, fact that uh, uh, President Trump and Speaker Ryan pulled the uh, the legislation or the vote on the legislation for the health care. And, uh, and, and it was positive for mortgage rates today. MBS prices opened up about 8.30 seconds. They're still up about 5.30 seconds. The stock market opened down 130 or something, and it's just about, it's only down 35 right now. So uh, we're seeing a little bit of that initial reaction reverse itself uh, as the, the day progresses. But this morning was just more of what happened last week, Dave. We saw about a 200 basis point drop in the Dow last week and about a half a point increase or improvement in MBS prices and all that uh, sort of evolved as the market began to perceive that that the Trump um, uh, health care uh, legislation was in trouble. And um, so it's been a bit of a reversal of that big benefit, still a lot of benefit in the market associated with the post-election movements, but uh, a little bit of a reversal of that. Uh, the economic data that came out last week uh, – uh, didn't really have an effect on MBS prices. Uh, the housing data came out. It was really pretty good, even though really existing strong. home sales fell a little bit. Uh, it was from a very elevated level. And, boy, when you look at the uh, inside the, the existing home sales uh, and you see things like a four-month supply and, uh, uh, you know, 30, what is 45 days on the market in February this year as opposed to 59 last year, I mean, great demand, low supply is the cause, but it's not a weakness. It's a, it's kind of a sign of strength. Then uh, the new home sales uh, also were very good. They rose to a multi-month high and uh, up 6% over January. Uh, durable orders was a little below last month, but a little better than expected, so it had uh, little impact. So, uh, so this week is going to be, as Mike said, it's going to be more of, how, how far is this Trump rally going to unwind? Is something going to happen in the in the political environment to cause people to get back on the on the bandwagon of policies that generate uh, economic growth? You know, the tough ones are are well, they're all tough, I guess. But you know, you still you've got issues with the rewrite of the tax code. You got issues with the border tax, uh, and that's even before you get to trying to spend more money on infrastructure. So. Uh, lots of difficulties ahead, and we'll see how much of that Trump benefit uh, holds and how quickly he begins to get things through. 
this week the economic data uh maybe more important than last week especially uh the PCE the core PCE data coming out on Friday but before that you got com- consumer confidence tomorrow and pending home sales on Wednesday and then uh consumer sentiment on Friday as well so um but again, the focus is going to be more on the political environment than I think the economic data makes sense. So, yeah, we'll be looking at what this unwinding of the rally really means. So, anyway, Joe, thanks so much for your uh, contribution. Appreciate you. Wish you were here. It's been a lot more fun. Yeah, I wish you were. You know, Thank you. It's always like, we hopefully, make one of the major conferences is when we're doing this from DNH's booth. It's really fun. This setup is really cool. So, anyway, thanks for the update. And for those of you that are saying, how can I stay on top of the market? And I got to tell you, sign up for MBS Quote Line, and I encourage you to do so now. They've got a great uh, promotion that they're doing right now. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after this brief break. Economic uncertainty has created a tremendous amount of market volatility over the past few weeks. Intraday price changes seem the rule rather than the exception. Have you been surprised by a midday price change? Have you been frustrated as you locked the loan just ahead of a price movement? Found it difficult to explain to a customer why the rate you quoted is no longer available? MBS Quoline can eliminate these frustrations. MBS Quoline monitors Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and Ginny Mae mortgage-backed security prices in real time. It makes the information conveniently available on your desktop, smartphone, or by email or text message. These are the same prices used to set mortgage rates each morning and to issue midday price changes when significant movement occurs. With MBS Quoline, you'll never be out of touch with the market. Whether you're in the office or on the road, see for yourself what MBS Quoteline can do for you. Go to MBSQuoteline.com to start a risk-free two-week trial. MBSQuoteline.com. 646-716-4972. The Lickin' on Lending Show is back. Here is your host, David Lickin. It's good to have you with us, everybody. Everyone's wondering. Got a couple text messages saying, Dave, you're Sound a little weird. Well, that's because there's an echo in my head. So I'm listening to myself. I need to be able to hear everybody, but every time I talk, I hear myself twice. So anyway, we got Paul Mollo dialing in. Good to have you back with us, Paul. What's the headlines? What are the headlines? Well, uh, listen, I guess good news. Uh, GSE buybacks fell to a record low in the fourth quarter. Uh, These are loans that uh, Fannie and Freddie make uh, their seller servicers repurchase if they run into trouble, if they find underwriting mistakes, et cetera. Uh, listen, that number keeps going down and down. Uh, in the fourth quarter, lenders uh, repurchased uh, $207 million. That's nothing uh, in the scheme of things. That's a 37% decline from the third quarter. And it's just another uh, way of showing how loan quality is, shall we say, pretty pristine. And uh, all, Or you might say uh, lenders aren't taking ch- chances and uh, – there only originates stuff that has got a zero chance to fall. So, yeah. but as everyone knows, you know, during, you know, four or five years ago, you know, GSE loan purchases were through the roof and doing a lot of damage to lenders. And, and the heck, five years later, look, everything looks pretty good from that point of view. Uh, Larry Charbonneau, he runs a little boutique down in Texas called Charbonneau and Associates. We talked to him late last week. He told us he's working on two M and A deals. Uh, one involves a Texas depository that's going to buy a non-bank originator in the state, and he's talking uh, to another uh, potential buyer having to do with a hedge fund. Uh, can't, again, name names, but they're looking at lenders that produce $750 million to a billion a year. Uh, you know, we, we've been hearing a lot of talk, a lot of scuttlebutt about M&A, coming M&A. Uh, you know, uh, deals are starting to happen, uh, but we understand it's still a seller's market. 
uh, loan purchases. Uh, the purchase market's still pretty good. The refi market uh, has been the one that's been nicked up a bit. And uh, and as you guys discussed a little earlier, uh, if the stock market keeps selling off uh, and bonds take off, we might have more refis. But we shall see. Uh, Grants helped launch 15 new mortgage brokerage shops. Uh, this is a program that was announced last fall. It's being backed by United Wholesale Mortgage. Uh, they're giving grants of $10,000 per to anyone who uh, wants to start a mortgage brokerage firm who could pass their, uh, I guess, their little test. Uh, and apparently 15 new independent mortgage brokerage shops have sprung up since this initiative, which was, again, announced last fall. Uh, as originations decline, lenders uh, get more concerned about competition and lower profits. That's from a new Fannie Mae study. Not surprising, given uh, we know loan volumes and app volumes have been slipping. I've been talking to a lot of lenders lately. You know, January and February were weak, but there's been uh, some nice bump up in activity in March, and uh, I know a lot of lenders are looking forward to a good, pretty good April and May, so we'll see how that plays out. Uh, late last week, the CFPB uh, proposed amendments to Regulation B, which uh, has to do with implementing uh, the regulation tied to the Equal Credit Opportunity Act. It gives lenders greater flexibility in collecting information about uh, consumer uh, ethnicity and race, and uh, people should check that one out because that's one of those compliance things that might get people nervous. Uh, that's on the website. That's a story by Tom Ressler. Uh, in our short take session, we uh, talked, uh, well, we saw Joe Garrett's little uh, weekly email blast. Joe's a consultant for uh, Garrett McCauley & Company. He always writes interesting stuff, and he talked about um, mortgage company CEOs who are, are a bit delusional, and I guess they're a bit delusional about some uh, mortgage CEOs think they can keep growing volume in this tough environment, but as Garrett points out, that's not always the case. Uh, and Joe talked a little bit about company culture and whatnot. In short takes, we also talk a little bit. Uh, we're coming up next year on the 10-year anniversary of Countrywide. People might remember that name. Countrywide being gobbled up by Bank of America, as people also might know, that deal blew like a $50 billion hole in Bank of America. You know, back in 2009, Bank of America stock was 3.95 a share. Oh, I should wow. point out today that it's now 22.86 a share. So, you know, they've cleaned up their mortgage act, so to speak. They've taken their lumps on Countrywide. Uh, they've scaled back in mortgages, of course, but they seem to have um, righted that ship. I guess the question is how much farther will Bank of America's stock go, especially now with uh, the so-called Trump rally in danger, and you know maybe mortgage bankers and bankers will start to wonder how much uh, deregulation will happen because of this big, uh, um, you know, thing last week on not getting the health care bill passed. You know, questions obviously being raised: what else can they get passed? Can they get anything passed? Is this just a blip? Is you know, is this an anomaly? Well, we don't know, so we'll find out. And one last note: uh, Radiant's chief policy officer, Phil Bracken. His name keeps getting mentioned for the Ginny May president's job. Yeah, uh, Ted Toast is the last guy to hold that job, and Ted is uh, Ted wanted to stay on, I understand, in an acting role, but uh, I don't think the administration offered him that option, and I'm not sure who's running Ginny May right now, one of their career people, I think. Uh, Bracken yep. wants the job. We're not sure if Bracken's going to get the job. Everyone's still waiting on the HUD undersecretary position to be filled as well. Uh, and no action. So we'll see what happens. And that's about all the news that fits for today. Lots of great news on your website. Encourage people to go check it out. IMFnews.com. IMFnews.com. Sign up at the bottom for your 
the daily updates and it'll land in your box and you'll know what is happening because Paul and the team do a great job. Paul, thanks so much for dialing in. Thank you. Have a good weekend. All right, friend. Talk to you soon. You bet. Yeah, Wish you up here in Chicago at the uh, tech conference. It was, it's, it's a lot of fun. All right. Okay. We're go- we'll look forward to hearing from you back, hearing you back here next week. Okay. This year, right. every verb in the head is just driving me crazy. All right. We're going to take have a, a good quick- show. Bye-bye. Thank you much. Appreciate it. We're going to be back with a few quick, after a few quick, quick, few quick words from sponsors. Talk to you soon. Are you using one of those expensive CRMs that your loan officers won't use? If so, then give my friends at Velma a call and let them help you create a customer journey that relies on the data and not on loan officer interaction. I encourage you to consider working with Velma to create a truly automated marketing experience for your organization. Velma makes marketing automation easy. Schedule a demo today at Velma.com, V-E-L-M-A.com. Simplifile has technology that gives you the ability to collaborate with settlement agents via real-time chat and messaging, allowing you to track changes, send, receive, and validate documents, as well as obtain status updates and deal with issues as they arise. All of this in a real-time electronic communication exchange. And best of all, you have a complete audit trail of all communications. To learn more, go to Simplifile.com or call our good friend Nancy Alley at 1-800-460-5657. Good to have you all here joining in. We've got a lot of people stopping by the booth. It's so much fun to see everybody. Alice Alvey, I know you've got an important couple updates for us, so have at it. Hi, Dave. Hi, everyone over at the NBA Technology Conference. Um, I hear good things about that conference today, so don't forget to stop by the IndyCon booth because we're there, too. Yep. They're there. I was over there earlier. They're doing a great job. Saw Linda Bomar and the team, a great group of people. Thank you. I think so, too. So, anyway, for my quick update, um, Paul already mentioned about the CFPB posting a proposed rule. Well, let me clarify. So, it's in their section in their website about basically rules under development and then you know, that there are, they are going to roll out a proposed rule on ECOA regarding ethnicity and race information collection. For those of you who have to live this intimately with the humda changes coming up, you know there are definitely some disconnects in what are we supposed to start collecting starting January 1st or potentially even, you know, October, November, December uh, at the end of this year in order to file next year, what are we supposed to collect because there's some uh, challenges and differences between Humda, RegSE, and ECOA, as well as what our LOS providers are actually going to be able to pull off by the end of the year. So it'll be interesting to see what the actual wording is in this. Um, full wording isn't available yet. We'll watch for it, definitely report on it with, for everybody here while we're on the program. Um, another item that we've been watching, uh, we reported back in November and October, we talked about it as well, that the FFIEC and if you remember now, the FFIC is really a group. It's all the regulators are members of that, the way the Federal Financial Institutions Examination Council works, right? CFPB is part of that, Federal Reserve, FDIC, even the credit unions. So everybody's got to be uh, paying attention to the fact that they have developed consumer compliance rating standardizations, and that goes into effect March 31st. So essentially any audit that gets conducted April 1st and after will use this new rating system. And it's very focused on one is good, 
five is bad. And, you know, anytime you don't get a one, you're starting to walk backwards, right, in how much work you're going to have to do to clean up your act. So this particular, the CCR rating definitions are something you really need to make sure you study and understand because it's very well spelled out in their rule in terms of what do you have to do to meet a one. And I should clarify, they define what meets a one, but obviously we all know there are gray areas. And so when I say well-defined, I've, I'm using that loosely in terms of when a regulator actually comes out to your shop. Uh, but in terms of following along in the table and trying to grade yourself, am I a one? Do I have board management that has strong oversight? I have strong training. I have strong change management processes. I know how to handle corrective action and self-identification. I have great PNPs, you know, policies and procedures, I should clarify. I have a good consumer complaint response process. Read this and take a look at what's a one, a two, a three, a four, and a five, and try and self-assess yourself, and then get better, uh, because we know the regulators will be using, all of them will be using this new grading system. Uh, so that's one heads up I wanted to give everybody. Also, FHA changed this effective date for their new uh, loan review system. So essentially the loan reviews, I'm sorry, and the DE lending process. So we had talked about a while ago, FHA had issued that effective April 1st for DEs, companies going after the direct endorsement approval, you will not have to send in case studies ahead of closing. You will send them post-closing. That date has now been moved to be May 15th. So if you get your letter of approval from FHA by May 14th, you'll follow the current process of sending in files pre-close after May 15th. You'll send them post-closing. I think that's a little nerve-wracking for some folks. Uh, we're certainly happy to help you make sure that you know the little nitty-gritty items that could slow insuring. So FHA is looking at this as now, well, we're not going to slow up your closing anymore. You can't blame us, but we may slow down your insuring if you don't get your process right. Uh, so uh, check that out. FHA is starting their new internal QC process with their defect taxonomy implementation. It's not external yet, but um, some good stuff in that and a few recent mortgagee letters to cover that so that you can all get up to speed. And, again, we're happy to help you implement all of that as well within your shops. So those are my key points, Dave, the legislative side of it. Um, we don't have anything firm. There are few rules and um, bills that are uh, getting proposed, but nothing concrete changed as of this last week. We'll keep watching it for you, though. I appreciate it. Thank you, Alice. Not the same without having you sitting here at the conference with me at the booth, and uh, but appreciate you dialing in. Good update. Appreciate it. Folks, if you want to learn more how you can – Learn more about Indicom. Stop by their booth here at the conference or get a hold of Alice. Here's some information on how you can get connected. Good to have you with us, everybody. We're going to be back with Sam Garcia just after this break. The Mortgage Collaborative was founded by former chairman of the NBA, John Robbins and David Kittle, and leaders at the forefront of the diversity movement in the real estate industry, Jim Park and Gary Acosta. The Mortgage Collaborative is the nation's only independent cooperative. The Collaborative provides its members the opportunity to meet and form meaningful relationships with top mortgage professionals and leaders in our industry. In a relationship-driven business such as ours, often who you know is as important as what you know. To learn more, go to mortgagecollaborative.com or call Rich Swarbinski at 440-552-0691. The power of the network. All right. So important. We're glad to have you with us. Again, dealing with some audio issues. I'm listening to my head myself, but I don't want to listen to myself. I want to listen to Sam Garcia, Mortgage Daily of MortgageDaily.com. Sam, good to have you with us, friend. Whoop. 
It would help if I turned on Sam's mic. There you are. All right, there we go. There we go. I, I saw I saw your picture on Facebook already. Somebody's photographed you live at the event, so I can get an image of what you're That's doing funny. and how you're sitting there. Okay, well let's uh, hit the headlines we had um, this last week. The OCC reported that the non-current rate on bank service mortgages rose to 5.3% in the fourth quarter from 5.2% in the previous period. Um, The deterioration reflected 30-day delinquency excluding foreclosure because the foreclosure rate itself was actually down to 0.7 from 0.8. Our mortgage market index, an indication of upcoming originations, declined 10% last week. the index, though, uh, which is determined from average rate lock volume at open close, was up 3% from a year earlier, so that's good. Uh, the biggest week-over-week drop was with Jumbo Business, which sank 31%. Arms were also pretty bad. They fell 29% on a week-over-week basis. Um, MBA put out its uh, fourth-quarter report on independent mortgage banker profitability. Um, they're kind enough to provide that full report to us. Um, and that indicated that servicer profit profitability swung to a 20 basis point profit uh, in the fourth quarter from a two basis point loss in the third quarter. And that improvement came from MSR gains, which swung to a 19 basis point gain from a five basis point loss. Um, But MBA's report also said that net production income plunged to 24 basis points from 75 basis points. And and hurting uh, uh, production income were secondary marketing gains, which fell to 180 bips from 205 basis points the prior quarter. Um, Now, uh, the new home sales report from the Census Bureau and HUD that you and Joe talked about had one really uh, bit of positive information, I thought, that was worth bringing up. And based on our analysis of uh, historical data from HUD and Census Bureau, the seasonally adjusted 266,000 uh, new homes that were for sale at the end of February were the uh, the largest inventory since July 2009. So, you know, inventory is always a problem lately, and um, that's one good sign because new houses uh, as that inventory grows obviously means there's more uh, for people to move up to. Freddie Mac reported that its purchases and issuances were $29 billion in February. It turned out to be the slowest month since February of last year, so slowest month for Freddie in a year. Um, but their 90-day single-family delinquency rate was 0.98%, the lowest level since June th- 2008. Uh, mortgage uh, The U.S. Attorney's Office for the Eastern District of New York announced Friday that the former CEO of a company called HTFC Corp. was sentenced to 150 months in prison. Uh, He and along along with co-defendants, he was convicted in January 2016 of buying homes and selling them the same day for as much as double the purchase price using fraud. Uh, The government claims that fraudulent loan applications and appraisals were used, while straw purchasers and sham trust entities were also used, and significant liabilities were concealed. And all the financial institutions that bought those loans on the secondary market from HTFC uh, allegedly lost $30 million. So it's a pretty significant uh, case there. Uh, One last thing I wanted to bring up was um, in prepared testimony Tuesday before the House Financial Services Subcommittee on Financial Institutions and Consumer Credit, the American Bankers Association's new chairman-elect, Ken Burgess, 
said that 1,917 banks have disappeared since Dodd-Frank was enacted, and during that same time, there were only six de novo banks created during the period. Uh, and he explained that regulation-related issues have been holding back investors from opening new banks. So uh, they're obviously pressing for lesser regulation and, be, of course, being promised that from Donald Trump. So we'll see uh, how that goes. But uh, those are some of the biggest headlines we had over the last week. And I uh, hope it's all going well for you there in Chicago. It is. It's really good. It's a great conference and uh, well-attended. Lots. Steve Case spoke earlier, and that was really interesting to get it his perspective on uh, as an earlier innovator in the internet space and his comments, especially what uh, Mike was referring to our cost per loan. So interesting, but we're sitting here in the D&H booth. Wish you were here with us as well, my friend. Good. Good job. Good report. Appreciate it. Yeah. You know, it was AOL that actually got me on the internet. I needed that to learn the thing back in the <laughs> mid nineties. <90s. laughs> It is. Well, it's amazing what the how that star rose so successfully. What was really an interesting statistic, a statistic was that it took um, 10 years to get to 1 million users. And the next 10, mil- 10 years, they went to 25 million. So it's kind of interesting when you look at adoption. And we're wondering if that's starting to take place here in aspects of the mortgage industry. So anyway, appreciate you being here with us, friend. Thank you, sir. You bet. We're going to be right back after this brief break. Thanks, David. We're proud to be a sponsor of your program, and we're excited about the success of Archimize RateStar. Our dynamic risk-based pricing program gives LOs a real competitive advantage. With RateStar, lenders can qualify more eligible first-time borrowers, including millennials. Reach out to them with revolutionary RateStar. All right, everybody, we're getting rid of that echoes, but unfortunately that's going to not allow me to hear Alice, Joe, and Andy and their participation in the podcast, but uh, very excited to see what's going on in the, in the marketplace. Another company that's here that we have as a sponsor is Motivity Solutions, and always glad to have them give us updates. Now, they were acquired by Black Knight, and a lot of, they're leaving them alone. So a lot of people are wondering, there are a lot of merchants acquisitions going on in the marketplace that is not having an impact, at least on Motivity. They're leaving them alone. And that's not always the case with who they're uh, acquiring. Another M&A, big M&A story was, of course, was the uh, uh, Arch Capital buying the uh, emerging Arch MI with uh, United Guarantee. That has happened. Uh, it's all behind us. We're going to be getting some updates from David Gansberg in a future podcast. But uh, let's get an update on the Race Start program from Jim Jump. Well, we already did that one. I meant on Mortgage Collaborative. We're excited to get their update and uh, what's going on with them. The Mortgage Collaborative was founded by former chairman of the NBA, John Robbins and David Kittle. And leaders at the forefront of the diversity movement in the real estate industry, Jim Park and Gary Acosta. The Mortgage Collaborative is the nation's only independent cooperative. The Collaborative provides its members the opportunity to meet and form meaningful relationships with top mortgage professionals and leaders in our industry. In a relationship-driven business such as ours, often who you know is as important as what you know. To learn more, go to mortgagecollaborative.com or call Rich Swarbinski at 440-552-0691. The power of the network. All right, everybody. Good to have you with us. And we're going again broadcasting live from the DNH booth. I'm excited to have Steve Megson joining us. He's the Eastern Division Sales Manager. Does a great job out there in the marketplace talking and selling the services. And, uh, Steve, I just want to say thanks for the opportunity to have a broadcast from your booth, a booth again, the D&H booth. Well, happy to be here at the NBA. 
Good. Sorry, I didn't get the mic on quite quick enough for the catch of the first combat. When you look at what's going on here, what are some of the things that kind of impress you uh, as you walk around? You guys have got some innovative things going on the mobile technology. You see more and more mobile showing up? We are. There's a lot of interest right now from lenders throughout the nation. As you know, the consumers are really driving a lot of demand. I think they're seeing a lot more advertising on TV and many borrowers assume that they can go to touch their phone or tablet and generate a loan application. I think in the lending world, particularly here at the conference, everybody realizes it's not quite that easy, but they, right. they see that, that commercial and they think that they can do that. And that's generating a lot of demand for a mobile point of sale. I think type. it's generating an, an expectation. And if you're not staying current on the expectation, lenders are not, they're going to be, you know, someone could come out and, what the rocket mortgage has done. I mean, it's, it is a successful application. There's certainly have a successful, uh, when it comes to a, uh, creating awareness, but you guys have really responded to that as well. You're right. There's a statistic that says that borrowers spend six hours online researching for their home before they buy. That means they picked out their realtor. They've looked at pictures of the house. They've checked rates, products. And really if as a lender, whether you're a, a community bank or a large national lender, you need to have some type of online presence because if that borrower is relocating from New Jersey to Texas, they're looking at all of that product, mortgage product, consumer, HELOCs, et cetera, before they even move to Texas. And they, you have to have some kind of online presence. Yeah, I think there's no question about it. But, you know, let's, talk, let's back up a little bit, talk about some of the success. You guys have had actually, there's a big announcement coming up about the sale. Uh, Vista is, the, is a Vista is the name of the yes. private equity firm that's picking up out of Europe. Yes, right? yes, we're we're merging uh, through an acquisition with a large financial tech, uh, Mises out of Mises, UK, yeah, yeah. and we're excited about that. We have a strong lending mortgage footprint in North America, as well as core. You guys had a really good year last year. We had a great year. We had over a hundred. LOS implementations, loan wow. origination implementations. Wow. And then we also launched our mobile mortgage platform, which is available for borrowers from a phone and or a tablet. And, and we've seen great success just in two quarters with that. How many people have signed up? Just give an idea. I think that's Sure. We, we've already seen about 250 wow. lenders sign up. And the interesting thing about the mobile application is that we're seeing 25 to 50% of the applications run through the mobile channel. Wow. So, so the neat thing about that, David, is that a lender can track the application activity from uh, their admin site. So they can actually see how many applications are coming through a mobile device, a tablet, or a traditional laptop or a bank site. That's really interesting. So it really validates the trend is mobile, and that is validated. 200 new clients and that much activity through it right out of the gate. That's amazing. We've really been amazed. And, you know, just to take that a step further, the consumer is able to go through a fully compliant loan application. They're able to see their initial disclosures online as well. And then that gives them a greater comfort level when they can see the product and the pricing. But we've also found from that, even if the borrower starts the loan application process, they can come back later. They go out to a soccer game for their kids. They can come back and pick that application process up. And then usually what happens is the lender or loan officer is able to see that application and they can contact that buyer and say, you know, I see that you started the loan application. 
Do you have any further questions? Can right. we can we pick up that application process? I think it's going to be it's going to be harder and harder for lenders to compete that do not have that type of uh, interactivity with it. But it really comes to aggregating data from mobile solutions. So if you could talk a little bit about data aggregation. Sure. I mean, one of the interesting things that's happening right now is, particularly at the MBA Tech Conference here, there's a lot of integrations and workflow. And what you're starting to see is the automation of workflow with income employment and assets. So, 20, so for those that are not familiar with that, explain what you mean by integration and sure. automation of that. So imagine 20 years ago in the mortgage world, you're waiting in the mail for a verification of deposit right. you know, from the bank, and that could take two weeks. Well, today, in the evolution of the market going forward, the point of sale technology will be able to go out to a data repository and bring in the borrower's income, employment, and asset, and then actually automate that workflow wow. into the system. Yeah. I think that, uh, and that's starting to happen. Is there, is there, are you seeing the trend of more of that happening, that integration? I, was, I talked to one company that talked about their APIs, the strength of their APIs. What, are the, what should be lenders looking at as it relates to being able to pull in these various repositories of data? Good question. We're seeing a lot more stats now that, Target millennials. Mm -hmm. So if you are lending in Tennessee and you want to know what that market looks like, you're actually doing business development lead generation down to a county level. And down now to you, a county level. Yeah. Down to a county level. So you can say, this is my workforce market. Another example might be you really want to target VA borrowers or USDA loans. You can target down to those demographics in that particular area. As you know, David, we're in a purchase market right yeah, now, yeah. and you have to find that purchase customer. So that's what we're seeing today. We're seeing a lot more data points. We're seeing the speed to market. There are lenders currently that are a part of Fannie Mae's Day One Certainty. Right. Their turn times are 10 days less wow. from lenders that are not doing it. So the automation and that's the data significant. Points, it's exciting. It's yeah. really quick. So I think speed to market is going to be really important. Have you, what are you seeing as far as uh, the Facebook and the social media origination? You guys, you, you have a sales team that's around the country, and I'd love to get your feedback, what you're hearing, and what, sure. what are customers and or, or what are consumers asking your customers as it relates to that? Sure. Great question. What we found is that borrowers want to do a lot of online research. But once they have that research, they want to be able to validate it with a loan officer. So they'll gather the six hours of online research that we talked about. Right. And then they want to come in and make sure that that loan program or the pricing or the product matches. It's interesting. I was at a conference in Texas this last week, and one of our banks said to us, we have borrowers coming into our bank branches, and they're pulling all of this online research. And then they want to come in and meet with the loan officer in our bank branch, and they actually want to make sure that all of that data is validated. So I still think there's a great opportunity for the loan officers, but you do have to have some online presence to, to make sure you're in front of that consumer. Right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's what order the online, the, when you're meeting with people, they're coming a lot more armed than they did before. Let's talk a little bit about uh, endorsed association momentum that you guys have. You, you brought up, you were at a conference last week. Uh, talk about that. Absolutely, thank you. You know, we've had a longstanding partnership within MortgageBot. And first off, MortgageBot, one of our mortgage products has been in the marketplace as a hosted cloud model for over 20 years. So we're really wow. excited about that. A lot of people don't realize that 
They have a fully hosted cloud model from the mortgage solution for 20 years. And that's, that's exciting in and of itself. I go to that because we've had a longstanding partnership with the American Bankers Association, as well as the Independent Community Bankers Association. So we're really excited about that and what we're doing, but we're also excited about the Louisiana Bankers Association. They have a great, great following. Their clients are really highly educated. And what, what's happening we're seeing is that the banks are focused on integrations, you're seeing loans for portfolio, consumer, secondary loans. And at the conference today, some of our clients stopped by our booth. They need a solution that can handle all of those loans, not just one. There may be one loan origination system that can handle secondary markets, loans sold to Fannie Mae, but they're not necessarily set up to handle the portfolio. So what we're finding is that we, we're working really on integrations that handle all of the suite of products. When you look at all the innovation that's going on out there, is there a lot of pressure on you to integrate with as many of these you know, various pieces out there? And how are you looking at that? That's a great question. There is. There's a lot of questions about APIs and vendor integrations. What we really strive for is what we would call a field-to-field, two-way direct integration. As you know, David, with TRID, you cannot afford to have a, a partial integration. The data is only as good as that integration. So we always make sure that we have a direct integration so we have fee integrity. Because okay. as you know, if your appraisal fee increases or your mortgage insurance certification changes, that needs to be reflective everywhere else. So we're cautious in the sense that we make sure we always have a direct integration. When you look at market movement or momentum towards the purchase market or refinances, what are some of the trends and some data that you're picking up from your sales force out in the field? Well, again, we're seeing a lot of speed to market. We're getting a lot of questions from our lenders on how can we improve workflow? And it's an exciting time. We're seeing uh, generation lead generation through Salesforce or some type of you know, co- consumer connectivity. And that's an exciting time. I do think, again, as we're moving into the next 12 months or so, you're going to see with UCD and Fannie Mae Day One Certainty and Humda, if your technology is really not performing for you, that will slow down the time to close. And then you have a 30-day lock moving to a 45-day lock, which is time, money, and effort. So I think it's going to be more important right now making sure that your technology and your integrations are in play to really capture that purchase market and make sure your workflow is, is precise. When you're seeing work, a focus on workflow, define what, that is, what you're seeing out there as it relates to that. that that's an important step. We do a lot right. of that consulting work is workflow, process efficiency. And what we're seeing, Steve, is a lot more focus on that topic. And I think it's when you hear when someone is selling in a ten, day one certainty, Fannie Mae's program, it shortens 10 days out of the process. I mean, it's just, it's bringing everyone's attention to this how can we do this better, faster, cheaper? Sure. I, a great point. Ten years ago, it was what's the time to close from taking a loan application yeah. to closing. Now I'm seeing lenders are really focusing on how can I save two days in my processing? And you're starting to see technology that can do that. It can measure technology that can make, force that to happen or help measure that and help you know, call attention to it. A little bit of both. You can, you can look at your loans in your pipeline that day and understand when a loan is too far out in the process. So what I'm seeing lenders doing today is they're really analyzing the important cycle within that loan process 
and then they're really working to save up a couple of days here. And then I'll give you a great example. Within our point of sale, we can present the initial disclosures electronically online. Well, David, that saves three days up front. Wow. So if you think about that, for a lender that doesn't have that and you have to ship disclosures to a loan officer or drop them off at the branch office, you have a lender that has electronic disclosures online, and that just saved you three days. So that's a good example of a way where you can really shave off some time. So the whole focus on workflow is, uh, is it an increasing momentum? I hope it's because it's a product we sell and work in. So I'd like to get your thoughts on that. Should lenders be paying attention to that? Uh, it's particularly since we're in a purchase market. Yeah. I'm seeing so much more fl- workflow on the QC, the quality assurance, and then to your point earlier, the technology can be set up today so that you can have dual roles within a system. Right. So you may have somebody that's an underwriter that can also have hard stops and do some basic closing functionalities. If you think about that, you can save a lot of time by having dual roles. Mm-hmm. The other example might be in days past, you may lose some time on a QC focus. You may send a batch of loans to your QC. It takes three days to get that done. Well, now that can be automated. And with automated quality controls, you're, you're managing your risk and you still have an expedited workflow. So I actually think given that we're in the purchase market, it's the best time to focus on your turn times and to make sure your workflow is optimal. If people want to get a hold of your sales force to learn how they can take advantage of the tools that you have, what's the best way for everyone to go? Just DNH, go out to deep. DNH.com. The, the great thing that, that we have, we have a lot of user connect conferences coming yeah. up and then we have um, a lot of webinars. So we're always, always talking through webinars on key things like mobile or Fannie Mae day one certainty. So we're always trying to make sure as a market expert and a compliance expert, we're always trying to, to host those webinars. So dnh.com is really the best way. And then if they want to get a hold of the Salesforce specific to someone in the area, you guys have up your, all your Salesforce. Up, up, we do. The, you, you can always request a, a webinar or just some sales information yeah. and we'll have someone direct you based upon the product. I should have that 1-800 number. What, what do you have that David? Get that. I need to get, or just go to the website. The website's best. really the best yeah. place. And the key thing I would say, like David, everything else. <laughs> yeah, the, the, well, here's what's interesting about it. We find that a lot of our lenders are looking at a variety of different products. So it may be mortgage related. It may be commercial related. We just, launched a small business application that's, that's right. mobile, yeah. which is exciting. So it's always best to start at the website. Yeah, that's awesome. Let's get, for those that are here at the conference, we look, yeah, we have, we're out of time. It's hard to believe. You're in booth 1020. We are. And I encourage people to swing by here and uh, they can get a full demonstration of what you have here. So you're fully functioning and the products you're focusing on here again. Really today in, in the interest here is the mortgage mobile functionality. That is the consumer driven point of sale. And that's really driving a lot of interest. You guys have a great product and we appreciate the opportunity to be here broadcasting live from your booth. You guys do an awesome job as a company. We're excited about your future. I really, uh, you know, for, for some reason, I think this is just like giving you guys a fresh new start. And I think it's a great compliment with the other company that's European based. And so I think this, there's, there's some bright days ahead. A lot of reason for optimism. Thank you, David. We're very excited, as you know, with added compliance and risk management brings opportunities within technology. So as a leader in 20 markets, 
with our solutions. We're excited about that. Well, a couple of your competitors always said, you know what? We weren't really too worried before, but now when they have all that capital, they respect you guys. And because I think everything was perceived to be as kind of a status quo. Now the perception is, wow, they were, they had a lot of capital. They have been doing well, but now it's like, it's that unknown. So I, I think DNH is one of those companies you want to be paying a lot of attention to with where this thing could be heading. Well, again, I think you're right. You, you can't just have one solution for one product anymore. Yeah. It's really important with vetting vendor management that you have one single source solution. We're able to provide that based That's upon the product. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. I think the vendor management is becoming a bigger, bigger hassle. The more solutions you have out there, the more time and money you're spending doing the vendor management and you can get it all done under one house, the better. Well, and, the, and David, there's third-party oversight yeah. to those vendors as well. So right. not only is it the key vendor for your loan origination system, it's also those vendors that they work with. So there's a lot more vetting of vendor management overall. Excellent. Well, Steve, thanks so much for letting us, let me come into your booth. I was going to say thanks for stopping by the booth, but I go, this is your booth. So really appreciate you taking time to be here with us and to give us a little insights. Folks, if you're not here at the conference reach out go to the website and what else you can do is swing by booth 1020 right behind the escalators and we look forward to having you guys back also logan motoshami will be here with us next week he's talking about his housing forecast that he gave us uh, earlier in the year and we're going to get a more in update more of an update on what he's seen changing should be always interesting <laughs> logan always uh, has got such up-to-date interesting information and talk about someone who's active on social media so it's good to have you with us we'll be back here next week we'll be back in our studios back home and we appreciate you being here and more importantly telling others about the podcast our growth in podcast has been a result of you telling so many others about it we've have over 400,000 downloads and we say thank you to our listeners for being a part of that success. Have a great week, everyone. See you back here next week. This has been Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin, of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us again next week, and thank you for listening.